Hello, and welcome to COVID Convos. I'm your host, Ria Saraswath. Today, we'll be talking to Sarah Sonchik. Sarah is a nurse practitioner who works for Honor Health at their Del Lago Clinic in Peoria, Arizona. So let's go ahead and give Sarah a call. Like, good morning. My name is Ria. I'm Dr. Sarah's daughter. Hi, Ria. And I'm Sarah. I work with your mom. I'm a nurse practitioner. <laughs> so how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm just glad it's the weekend. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. So I have a a couple questions about like COVID-19, kind of how it's impacted you and your family and kind of from the perspective of a healthcare provider, because a lot of people don't really understand what you guys see versus what regular people had to see about the pandemic. And that can kind of influence how you think about it just because of what perspective you've had. And so that's what this little mini series is about, just talking to people that have a different perspective than regular people out there so that they can realize that, okay, this is kind of what it really is from, from your side of the story, if that makes sense. Nope, that makes perfect sense. Okay, awesome. So I have a couple questions. They do kind of overlap with each other, so you don't have to, you can just answer the parts that you kind of want to, but um, okay. let's get started then. <laughs> perfect. Okay, so my first question is overall, what effect has COVID had on your mental and physical health, like for you personally? Okay. So for me personally, um, I would say definitely more stress and anxiety cause, because of the fact um, I have two little kids, one who's a kindergartner, so it's mostly related to not being in school. Um, mm-hmm and virtual learning, and then also from the perspective of healthcare, um, when we see patients all day long in an outpatient primary care setting, a ton of our patients are anxious, and so the majority of our visits, um, we have to discuss ways of coping with anxiety and depression, so it's just mentally taxing to hear that every day, and of course, we're happy to help people, but it mm-hmm. kind of wears on you after a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then phys- physically, um, I would say I'm probably just more tired secondary to stress, but I mm-hmm. I run, so I've been maintaining that, so that's my saving <laughs> grace. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's actually really great because as – like I did not even know that other patients had been coming in and that you have to talk to them about their own mental health too, because mm-hmm. that kind of falls into what you do as a healthcare provider. So right. not only the effect that it has on you, but after you're talking to so many people about their depression or anxiety related to the pandemic, it has that effect on you as well. Added on top oh, of yeah. all the stress you have. Totally. Yeah. So the next question I have is if you had one thing to tell the general public, people that don't have that same perspective as you do in regards to COVID, what would you say? Um, I would tell people that it's 
important that we aren't overly afraid of living life because we only have one life to live and we can't not do things we like to. However, in that same token, we still have to be mindful of, you know, washing our hands, making sure that we keep good hygiene and staying home if you're sick. Like if you're sick, don't go outside, don't go to the gro- or don't go outside to places like the grocery store by all means mm-hmm. go outside. But um yeah, I would I just don't want people to have this fear that they can't do anything because mm-hmm. I I do have a lot of patients who are very afraid to to leave their home. Like they've literally not left their home since March. And mm-hmm. you know, then you have the other side of the perspective where some people are like, Well, I just don't care. Um, but I would say there's quite a few that fall in the middle. Either I'm really afraid or I don't want to be afraid, but I also want to go out and make sure that, you know, if I want to go to a restaurant, it's okay to go to a restaurant, but if I'm feeling sick, I should stay home. Yeah. So kind of finding that middle ground. Yes, exactly. Hit the nail on the head. Thank you. So um, you're a nurse practitioner, right? Correct. So you see some of the worst of the pandemic just as a result of being a nurse practitioner when you have patients come in, and some of them, of course, would be COVID patients. And you're on the front line, so you kind of, the whole idea of directly combating the virus that you see on the news, too, about healthcare providers, that's kind of what you have to do. So how has your work environment kind of changed within the last few months? to what it used to be back in March to what it is kind of now? Um, Well, it's definitely harder to get patients actually physically into the clinic. We're having Mm -hmm. to do a lot of video visits, um, which can be absolutely great. You know, if it's a quick follow-up on something, it works out perfect. It's convenient. The patients like it. However, because there is more push for video visits from a higher corporation level, sometimes Mm -hmm. things are on video that should not properly be on video. For example, abdominal pain, um, and then you see the patient, but we get the story from the patient. However, we are losing our complete physical exam. Um, Mm -hmm. So for somebody who has abdominal pain, we can't feel their abdomen, of course, through the mm-hmm. computer monitor. And so then the question is, are things being missed? And subsequently that patient has to go to the ER when we could have prevented a visit to the hospital in the clinic. So there's that disconnect, if you will, in terms of patient care um, mm-hmm. and not having a proper exam how we were trained in medicine. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd say that's been a bit of a challenge. And then the other challenge would be uh, people who are trying to get into a specialist. Initially in the beginning, even like psychiatry offices were not accepting new patients. And so that Mm -hmm. was problematic for a few patients. (laughs) And a lot of preventative care like mammograms, colonoscopies, those were delayed. And then the question is, did that 
if things weren't delayed, could the patient have had a better outcome? Mm -hmm. Does that make so, sense? Yeah. In general, just kind of makes your your side of patient care kind of doing what you can a lot harder because you can't always make sure that you're able to give the patient what they need. I know that on like through television video visits, you really like just like as you said, you can't tell where their abdominal pain is or any other problem that they would have that you can pinpoint they might not necessarily know about and that means that they miss out on that and you're not able to give that full patient care experience. Correct. And then are we causing more harm to the patient mm -hmm. by not giving them the full care that we typically have been able to? Mm -hmm. um, and then we could prevent, it could be a cost-effective thing too. Like, for example, one of my abdominal patients did end up going to the ER. I'm like, if it gets worse, you have to go. And she was admitted mm -hmm. to the hospital. And this was a couple of days after I'd seen her. But if she had come into the clinic, I feel that could have been prevented. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. And then you could argue that now you're having them be more exposed to COVID exactly. if, you know, they're going to the ER. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. there's this already this added risk of a virus, but because you can't do everything right now in the first place, mm -hmm. that way they're ending up going to the hospital where they're probably more likely to contract it anyway. And right. that just adds to that again. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely made it much harder for you guys. That <laughs> It has. And, and like your parents, well, your mom's, He's a little messy, but then you have your dad who has a totally may have a totally different perspective too. Yeah, and that's <laughs> interesting about like talking with healthcare providers like yourself that the the perspective that you have is different than somebody in the actual hospital, but then the people that right. you see are different too. And so right. the way your jobs, even though you guys are all working in healthcare, has kind of varied depending on where in healthcare you work, and that's really exactly. interesting. How your your perspective is different. Like some of the stuff that you mentioned about the video visits and how you can't actually give the patient the care that you want to. That's something that a lot of times you would never even think about beforehand. And then you realize, oh, sending them to the ER, which is what you're supposed to do in this case. Well, that can expose them more, and also it could hurt them just because they're not getting the care they need right away. And so those right. are different things. Usually, you'd never think of if you just look at it from a hospital standpoint. You know what I mean? Exactly. But that's kind no. of easy to see. Totally Those true. are issues as well. Yeah, and and then you then you can tag it that it's a delay of care for that for that patient. Because mm -hmm. um, there was another one who was supposed to have a colonoscopy, but it was deferred because of COVID, and then she did have a colonoscopy, and there is a cancerous tumor in there. And it's like, well, if this could have been done earlier, would that have changed her plan of care? Exactly. Because yeah. we do have virus, but at the same time, all these other health issues that people still suffer from regularly every day, those a lot of times are really big and they're, they change their life too at the same time. So Yes. It's so interesting. It's kind of finding that, figuring out that what can you do to keep everybody safe and still make sure that they're getting the care that they need otherwise. Right, right. So my next question for you is, what was your reaction to that drastic increase of cases we had in Arizona? 
especially like when it became a hot spot and everything and everything shut up and everybody got a little kind of scared and panicky. What was your reaction to that? Um, I didn't get overly concerned, but your mom would probably tell you I'm pretty level-headed anyhow. So um, I kind of just cruise. But, um, I mean, you also have to think at the time things were sort of reopening. That's when all the protesting was going on as well, whether, Mm -hmm. you know, it was the peaceful protesting or the more violent protesting. You know, Mm -hmm. people were congregated together in large groups. And so I think that had a lot to do with it rather than just I don't like everything being blamed on one thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because I know a lot of people were mad at the at how government reopened. And mm-hmm. yes, you know, could it maybe have been done better or slower or something to that effect? But we also have to take account for everything current that was happening at that same time. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of things that were happening around us in our right. own country that contribute to right. that in the first, especially here. And so I right. think it kind of all coincided. And of course, kind of getting together in large groups, that's kind of what's going to happen in the first place. You can't really expect not to have an increase when everything opens up back again or stuff like that, because when people exactly. do come together, that's going to happen. It's, it's right. that part at least expected. But right, exactly. Yeah. So teenagers like myself, sometimes we're not kind of able to see past our own perspective. You'll see a lot of kids still go out even beforehand on the news. You would see sometimes that you would go go to beaches and stuff like that, come back and get their parents sick or their grandparents sick. And so a lot of them kind of see it as like a virus that's a nuisance. But what would you remind those kids that haven't really seen those effects of COVID that you have? Um. I mean, I would say that kind of what I mentioned earlier, like if you're going to mm-hmm. go out with your friends, and I mean, I think it's important for your mental and physical well-being to be outside, but, you know, we probably shouldn't congregate in huge groups, um, rather smaller groups. And again, mm-hmm. if you're sick, the biggest thing is to stay home. Um, having seen several patients while we were testing for COVID, I was at one of our COVID sites. And then mm-hmm. having seen patients in clinic after, you know, they've recovered, so many of them had mm-hmm. body aches, fever, and chills, whether they were in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. So, and they were all very symptomatic. And then I know there's, you know, can you be pre-symptomatic or yeah, pre-symptomatic of your symptoms. So kind of like mm-hmm. when you get sick with something else, you know how your body's just a little off the first couple days. Yeah. Um, so if you're just not feeling up to snuff, then just don't bother going in a large group. Mm-hmm. And again, it's such a different perspective because your dad sees the worst cases possible. Yeah. No, but it's, <laughs> but it's at the same time because I'll be honest, I'm a kid and – as much as I like, I want to be able to see my friends too and go to school, which is like coming up soon, and all those types of things that, like, I understand when my parents are like, you know, you guys have to be really careful. But over time, too, they're more like, you know, we, we've put everything on hold for a while that you kind of have right. to find this middle ground where you can still be safe and keep the rest of the people around you safe and still make sure that life goes on because 
You can right. only keep everything shut down and stopped for as long as you can, you know? Right. Because then, I mean, even in healthcare, many nurses, nurse practitioners were furloughed when initially, like the initial part of COVID mm-hmm. when nothing was, everything was closed down. And then several physicians I used to work with for another corporation, they had to take a salary cut. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah, so even healthcare wasn't, you know, our jobs weren't necessarily secured either, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Exactly. It's crazy to think that because you guys are the most needed people at this time right now. And then instead of maybe getting a a raise or something like that, it kind of, it still impacted you negatively just in terms of money and stuff like that, which is something you wouldn't really expect for a sector of the industry or whatever that is supposed to be getting a higher influx of people or everything kind of pouring into it, you'd expect that to not happen, but it still did because it did affect you guys negatively. Um, So uh, just as a medical professional, I mean, I know you're a nurse practitioner. What do you suggest that regular folks do to protect themselves from others? So I think you kind of already talked about this then. If you're Mm -hmm. sick, then don't don't go out with other people in the first place because not only are you going to get them sick, but if you get anything more, then you're going to bring that back to your family. So, kind of that I think we've already went over that but um yeah so I'm in high school right now I'm a senior and I have a younger sibling my sister is a sophomore and my little brother he's a fifth grader and mm-hmm. so I know that you said you have children as well you have a kindergartner as a parent and like as a nurse how do you feel about schools kind of returning to in-person learning um I'm definitely I'm definitely a big proponent of kids returning to school and mm-hmm. however, in the same token, I also believe that um, you know if parents are not comfortable with that, that's okay, and they can do the virtual learning because now that you know that's definitely a choice out there. And mm-hmm. so I think as a parent, I definitely want the option for my son to return to school. Um, one, he's a kindergartner, so he doesn't have you know his he can't run a computer by himself and I don't want him to. Mm-hmm. And then um, he's also in speech therapy and it's so hard to do it over the computer because if connection is bad, there's a lag and, you know, just being in front of somebody, you can watch yeah. their mouth formulate. So that's a big thing. Um, and then the other thing is my kids are in daycare and when they have to do this virtual learning, it requires one-on-one because my son's a kindergartner and can't read. And at daycare, they just don't have the manpower to give one-on-one attention, rightfully so, because that's not their job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm trying to find this specific thing, because I have this all written down because this was an issue. So I'm going to find this so I can share it with you. Okay. Oh. But but that's that's really true. Like as far as like even my parents have gone is that I know that me and my sister our district actually just released it yesterday for sure that we are going back to school like starting now. Originally we were supposed to go back October fourteenth and so now seniors are going back September twenty fourth and my like of course we're excited that oh my god, we get to go back to school finally. We haven't been to school yeah. since March. Like that whole thing where, you know, being online for that many hours a day, especially with younger children, is really hard to do online learning. 
because not only, I mean, you guys are going to work, so you guys didn't stop ever going to work, which a lot of a lot of families did where their parents are now home or they're working from home, and you guys don't have that. And so no. making sure that that your kids can actually, you know, pay attention in school and that everything works and how to just run a computer is such a big deal. Like, I have my little brother and so all three of us will be on different computers at the same time during our school hours running back and forth because both of my parents are at work and we're all at we're all in school at the same time so if he has a computer issue I leave class to go make sure (laughs) that gets all fixed and it's like going back and forth and it's kind of crazy because other people will have their parents at home and so I think that kind of affects their decision to stay at home because they have the ability to do so um to keep continue virtual learning but some of us like we have to go back because it's just not viable to stay virtual learning for that long exactly and and then you could argue like i'll see a lot of parents especially if they have younger kids and even your brother's Mm -hmm. age where they're trying to do their work but then their kids have questions and it's it's really distracting to the work and not that their parents don't want to help them but they also don't want to lose their job too um Mm -hmm. And it's created a ton of anxiety in those parents, enough where they're asking for anxiety medication, which they have never been on or would have never considered in the past. Um, And then the other thing is, I mean, this would hit a sore spot on some people, but if you keep the schools closed and, you know, rates of child abuse appear to be down, but a lot of those people who report, mandatory reporters, are teachers, and even, like, people within the church community, too, because they have a lot of after-school programs. And then um, you could also suggest that are we not even serving the most underserved or vulnerable children? Yeah. you got to think of the single parents who are out there or you know, who just don't have resources. Like, we have resources your family has resources where we can kind of finagle things a little bit to make it work, mm-hmm. but not everybody has that opportunity. And then if you break down the statistics of single parents, unfortunately it falls more into the African Americans, Native Americans, and Hispanics who are most at risk. So now are you playing a little bit of racial injustice to that population? It's a thought. Now, there's so much that are kind of intertwined with something as simple as going back to school. Like there are students that when if they the free or reduced lunch from our school and not being able to get that really affects them. And so not being able to get that from tomorrow has been really hard on those families. And even though districts are trying to accommodate for that, they of course can't do the same job that they could before. And right. so like other things that are completely related to it kind of that we don't actually look at that this also affects this part of our society or something like that, it's kind of all intertwined. So, right. And then, and then if kids are on the computer all day, and, like, you're you're obviously very driven, so I would anticipate any issues with you, but, you know, kids get bored, and then are they dipping oh, into so drugs more, alcohol, mm-hmm. and even pornography? Mm-hmm. There's, so, there's so many side effects to stay home all day. Being like that, yeah. So for a fact, students do get bored and they turn to other things, um, right? But those are and those are different 
I guess, effects that we don't always think about, kind of. We just think, okay, do we go back to school or do we not? How do they do this, this? But you have to realize that not being in school for being for that many months as well has had a different effect that maybe we didn't anticipate in the first place. Right, exactly. Yeah. So um, I have one last kind of question for you. How has mm -hmm. your family adapted or changed in response to the pandemic? So what are things that you didn't have to worry about as much before and you do now or anything that you've changed within your own household, like how your family has reacted to it, anything like that? Um, we probably haven't changed a whole lot other than, you know, we, we aren't getting together with big groups. Like we're supposed to have a birth, well, my son's turning six, but I'm not going to have the usual amount of people over that I typically would. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. usually we'll extend it out a little bit to close friends, but it would just be family. So it's kind of limiting how many people are in our get togethers, if you will. And then, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's harder this summer. We can't really go many places. Um, yeah. And not that that's an issue, like we're, we're content and we're fine. But, you know, a couple trips were canceled um, because we couldn't go to the beach anyhow. So that's the only reason we go to California. <laughs> and, um, yeah, but, I mean, it's stuff like that, mostly just limiting – where we can go and what we can do. But yeah, and I think it seems so, like, I mean, it's, yeah, and at first it seems like, okay, it's not a big deal, you have to give this up, but after that starts accumulating over time, you're like, oh my God, remember when none of this was a problem, and <laughs> right. we could just vacation and go to the beach and it would be a great summer and like then then it starts kind of building up and it just adds to your stress and how anxious you are and just how depressed you get you know what I mean I totally get it I I hear you 110 <laughs> percent yeah and and I think when you mentioned that a lot of even parents have you know, turn towards anxiety medication, stuff like that. Even my mom was talking about this, that so many people are more depressed and more anxious than they were before. A lot of people are asking for these medications to help cope while they're at home for this long. And that's that's something right. that I think a lot of people don't know about. They don't know that other people have had to turn to medication and prescriptions and stuff like that just to kind of get through their day because, staying at home for that long or just being isolated has affected them that much. And, exactly. And that's what people don't know about. Um, no, I don't think the general public, like I feel the general public feels it individually, but it's not really everybody. about. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. That I thought was something really interesting when you brought that up because my mom kind of mentioned that beforehand too. And I was like, wait, really? That's kind of, mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't, and then you think about it and you're like, you know what, if maybe I'm feeling this way, then there are, there are good chances that other people are too. Um, oh yeah, big time. But I mean, it's, it's definitely had effects kind of in realms that we didn't expect beforehand. And even though we don't really know the best way to handle everything, we're kind of trying at this point because you want to bring it back to normal as much as you can, as safe as you right. can. And I, yeah, totally true. And the other thing I've had a lot of patients um, upset about is if their family is in the hospital, whether it's 
for whatever reason it may be, uh, a simple procedure or, you know, a bad diagnosis, they can't go visit their family. And I think that's huge for whoever that family member is in the hospital. Exactly. That's, that's made such a big difference from what I've heard from other doctors in the hospital and stuff like that. It, they feel so bad and they can't, they're not allowed to let those families in, but it's kind of heartbreaking to see that you're, you usually, you would spend that time with your loved one to make sure that either everything's going to be okay or have those last moments with them. And even that's been taken away. And so Mm -hmm. we understand the science behind it. We understand all that type of stuff, but sometimes it just, it just hurts, you know? And so, um, and that's stuff that we don't always either look at or we don't look at both sides of it. So it's important to see that, you know, this is kind of the effect that it's had on everybody's mental health and just how your life has changed since then. Because right. those little start to add up after a while. But Oh yeah. And definitely you'll have a lot of, Yeah, you'll have a lot of patients who were in the hospital for some something, you know, pre COVID and they'll be like, The only reason I got out of there is my family was there or even having I was a nurse practitioner in the hospital and inpatient neurology and I, I where that made a huge difference if family was there. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it so, family. Yeah. Yep. So there's a lot that, that's not there anymore. Kind of, I feel like that's detrimental to everybody's health a little just by not. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I think. You're getting a good perspective from a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think so. I'm, I spoke to somebody. I spoke to a respiratory therapist at the hospital, and so her perspective was like what she saw was very different than what what my mom has seen or what you guys have seen in the clinic. But it's important because both of you guys are healthcare providers. You see different sides of it, and it's important to see that. Okay, like a lot of the stuff that you. Um, emphasize was how it kind of affected us just mentally you know what I mean because that's something that people haven't really talked about as much um versus just saying you know this is how you mitigate a virus don't go out don't do this don't do that that's for somebody who's seen it kind of on a high risk level and they're super scared about it just because they've seen the worst the worst right but then for regular people out there there are other issues that have come up just as a as an effect of COVID so yeah just you know acknowledging that, that that exists too and that we want it to be back to normal just as much as anyone else does. Right. And yeah, no, and it's interesting because so when I worked neurology, everybody mm-hmm. to me who had, you know, who came off their blood pressure meds, I'm just using this as an example, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're going to have a stroke, you know, because that's all <laughs> I saw on a regular everyday basis. So, yeah. You know, you you see what you see is what you know. Exactly, and it definitely changes your perspective. So right, right. So no, I think it's pretty cool you're doing this. Yeah, but thank you so much for speaking to me. I just had a couple of questions. Those are all they are. So I mean, do you have oh, anything yeah. you'd add? No, I wouldn't add anything more. I think, and I think everybody recognizes this is it probably doesn't help this is an election year just and it doesn't matter you know yeah what but it party help. you are <laughs> but it's so political 
driven in some aspects, not all aspects, because COVID is real. But it's there's a lot of politics too that are making it tricky. Yeah, and I, mm-hmm. I think it makes it very difficult for the average person to navigate what they're supposed to right. believe and what they're supposed to do when different sides kind of say different things all the time. It just makes it exactly. more confusing. Yes, and it's true. Yeah, but, I mean, no, that's pretty much. There's not much we can do about it, but it's something no. that you got it. It's hard to to kind of figure out what's right when everybody says something different. Right, right. It's so true. So, no, but I think it's so cool you did this. And if you need any other, you know, if you want to talk to any other healthcare providers, just let me know because I can get you NPs from the hospital, outside. It totally is up to you. Okay, thank you so much. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. And it was so nice to talk to you because – these like the way you answered these questions was so in depth, and honestly, this was probably one of the best interviews I've had. So thank you so much. Oh, oh yeah, you're welcome, and thank you. I think, I think you have a very good. Oh, you have like a good aura to you. You see many different sides. I don't know. You're just pretty wise for a senior. So good work. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. You have a good one. Okay, Rio. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Take care. Say hi to your mom. I will. And that's it for today, folks. Thanks for joining me as I spoke to Sarah Sonchik, a nurse practitioner at Honor Health's Del Lago Clinic in Peoria, Arizona. I'm excited that I got to interview her and get a completely new perspective from a healthcare worker. I really hope that after listening to this, you've gotten to become a little more educated, gain a wider perspective, and please stay safe out there.